I, rem I remember my high school days, um, not by choice, <laughs> but I was, I was reading and I was remembering my high school days and how I wanted to be involved and fit in. And as I was sitting there, I was, um, the Lord was reminding me of the body and how when I come to the body of Christ, I don't try to fit in. I don't feel pressure to fit in. I don't feel like I need to accomplish anything, but I know that I'm supposed to be here. Yes. Because when I get together with the body, I have a flow in the spirit and I have a unity with my brother yes. that I can't produce, that the spirit produces through me. And yeah. so I was just reminded of, of high school, how hard and how awful I wanted to fit in. You know, I just wanted to be a part of something. And I know that when the Lord brought me here to this body, I, I just fit in automatically. And I feel that in my spirit that I'm just, I'm supposed to be here. Right. Yes. And we're all supposed to be here. If you're here, you were drawn here by the spirit. Amen. The Bible says no man comes unless the spirit will draw him. So um, the book of Romans, um, chapter 11 and um, we're going to start at verse 17 um, I understand the context that this chapter was written in and so I'm going to try to do my best to proclaim it to you as the Lord gave it to me and uh, at first I didn't really understand it so I had to go through and read you know, a couple chapters before and a couple chapters after, and then it's just like, oh, well, that makes sense now. You know, that's what you're trying to tell me, you know, and um, the word is not complicated. We make it complicated. At least I make it complicated for me. And so I had to go back through and revisit and reread, and uh, I'm reading that of uh, the New International. Um, if some of the branches have been broken off, and you, though a wild olive shoot, have been grafted in among others and now share in the nourishing sap from the olive root. Do not consider yourself to be superior to those other branches. If you do not consider this, you do not support the root, but the root supports you. And verse 19 is what the Lord was speaking to me about. You will then say branches were broken off so that I could be grafted in. And I understand that Paul was talking about Israel, how they rejected the Lord, and now a way has been made for us. And he said, you, the branches have been broken off, right? Now there's an avenue for us to come and partake in salvation. And it was broken off, and now there's an area that we can partake in, in the body. It was given unto us. And I was thankful that I read this, and when I read this, the Lord said, are you willing to be broken off so that I can add more people to the body? Because wow. once you're in the body, right, you got to allow the Lord to break you and to cut some things out of you to allow other people to come and to join the body. But if we're full of self and we're full of things that we want to partake in and self-righteousness and all those things that come with that, the Lord's not going to add into the body unless we're broken. And he, he, he spoke to me on that. And Man, it's weird hours of the morning. I've been waking up two, three, you know, four o'clock in the morning. And he said, if you're broken, then I can add. But I can't add if you're not broken. There's people that need to be added into the body for such a time as this. And if you're not allowing yourself to be broken, you can't add to the body. And I caught myself searching, Lord, what is it within me that's not allowing me to be broken? Lord, I'm, I'm yielding to you and to your spirit. Lord, I'm 
wanting you to do, Father, whatever you want to in my life. Let me be a broken vessel so you can add to the body as you see fit. You know where I have need of. You know where I need to be. I am a part of your body. You are the branch. We are the branches. You are the vine, Father. Let us trust in you, Father. My confidence is not in me or my abilities, Father. You add as you see fit. Father, you will add if I allow myself to be broken, Father. Strip away the desires of my flesh, Father. Strip away, Father, the self-righteousness within me. I can't do nothing of my abilities, but everything is done with you, Father, as the vine. I know, Father, that you are the vine that gives the source of life. It gives source of life. It gives the source of life. He said, if you are broken, I can add. But I can't add if you're not broken. Right? Because we're full of carnality and all those things that come with that. He can't add to the body. And so within myself, I'm allowing myself to be broken and just taken to a place that I've never been at before. And I never realized how much self I had within me. Right. I know I see people come and go, but if I'm not being broken, they can't be connected. Right. Because I'm closed off. I'm not allowing him to cut some things out of my life. Right. And he's wanting us to be broken before him. If you consider yourself a part of the body and a part of the vine, you will allow yourself to be broken and say, "Okay, Lord, this trial, break me. Whatever you want to do, break me. Allow me to be broken. Allow me to strip away those things that are holding me back, holding me captive. And so he's been really dealing with me about, about being broken. You know, I, I can't go further in him if I don't allow him to do that. You know, I'm going to stay stagnant at a certain place, and I'm not going to be involved in the deep things of God anymore. I'm not going to be involved in what he wants me to be involved. I'll just be surface. And my, my prayer has been, Lord, let, me, let not my relationship be surfaced, right? Because I can come to God and I can pray and just dismiss the deep things of God and just come and barely scratch the surface. And I've been guilty of that. And I've been examining, examining myself, Lord, let my relationship not be surfaced. Let myself be broken before you. And I'm telling you, once you come to a place of brokenness, he'll do the miraculous. And I know it to be, to be true. That doesn't mean you won't have trials, but you know, through those trials, through the brokenness and with victory comes, deliverance comes and he will add to the body. If we're a broken body, he can add, he can fix, he can heal, he can tear away those things. Amen. So let, let us be broken. He's, he's divine. We are the branches, but he can't add if we don't allow ourselves to be broken. Amen. Amen. Hebrews chapter 13. I feel the Lord dealing with me as well as somebody else uh, with the question that he asked Baruch and Jeremiah, and seekest thou great things for yourself? Seek them not. 
And as Brother Ruben was ministering, it was dealing with me as well. It's not about myself anymore. It's about the body yeah. and the Lord wanting to use the body. So if I could add to that, by the help of the Lord, uh, Hebrews chapter 13, and uh, beginning with verse 5. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Verse six, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. And uh, chapter 13 are the closing remarks of the book of, the book of Hebrews. And uh, the chapter begins with statements like, let brotherly love continue. And then shows examples in chapter 13 of what that looks like. It begins to name them off like entertaining strangers given to hospitality. You know, it, it mentions reaching to those imprisoned as if we were imprisoned as well. Uh, it gives honor to marriage and it speaks on our character in life and many exhortations uh, throughout the chapter. But my focus is these two verses that we just read. And I want to remind someone of his promises. So in verse 5, the author of Hebrews uh, draws from the Old Testament that God already said he will never leave us and he will never forsake us. And that already builds my faith. If it doesn't anyone else, it does me. Because he said it, and I know I can trust in what he said. And if he said it, you know, I can walk through this life with the one that orders my steps. And, uh, and he won't leave me, you know. People can forsake you. I would dare say even those closest to you can forsake you. I believe there's a scripture that says father and mother can forsake you, but the Lord will never forsake you. So that, uh, and so going back to verse five, let your conversation be without covetousness. In other translations, they can say along the lines of life, way of life, your pattern of life and uh for covetousness it can say for the love of money uh, i tried seeing if we had the english standard version on the computer we do not i'm sorry about that but in other words it says let your way of life be free of the love of money so clear in point it's saying covet not things that don't give you anything besides <laughs> so but be content with such things as you have. Yeah. My God can supply every need. Yeah. And I will tell you, he won't supply your every want. You know? He's more than anything I could ever want. My God owns all the cattle on a thousand hills. And if he owns all that, he can give me anything that he desires. According to his will. Let that be very clear. So, verse 6, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. It does not matter what any man can do to you when the Lord has you in his grasp. 
It does not matter what any man can take away from you because the Lord will sustain you. And, uh, but the principle here is don't covet or want anything in this world because not only did he already say he won't leave us, he'll be our helper in time of need. And if he's willing to help me, that kind of faith transcends my dependability on a provider because I know he's my helper. And so that's my encouragement to you. The promises of God are yea and amen. The promises of God are spoken and received. And so the promises of God should keep you and guide you. And so that's my closing remarks. In Jesus' name. John three sixteen. I will start with this, with the promise that the Lord has for me. Thirteen years ago, I think I was about eighteen years old, seventeen. I was deeply in love with the Lord. I would do anything for him. And what I said, I now believe that he said it through me. He said, out of my mouth, said, I will preach and I will say everything that the Lord has done for me in his love. And, you know, I've... I was writing tons of notes. I was super nervous <laughs> to be up here. And, and I was up in the tree uh, this morning and the Lord said, John 3.16 and another verse, and it talks about love. And this is, I don't know if it's just for me or maybe for someone here, but the Lord's promises he knows when we need them and he will deliver. And he said it, I don't know if in a joking way to me, but he said, see what I just did there. And today I get to say and preach this promise that he had for me. John three sixteen. says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have ever, everlasting life. Uh, I, was, I was stuck on the so loved part. The so, what does so mean to, to the Lord? Why, why is that word there so? And it's unconditional. And he gave himself. He gave himself beyond my understanding and as we know he died on the cross for us and in my mind i'm thinking why would you do that why would you do that for us what what type of love is that um for me i think about marriage and i think you know i love my wife daily chores <laughs> i'll throw out the trash i love you 
I fill up your tank. I love you. <laughs> That's my understanding of love, right? But I believe the Lord wants to take us deeper in what that means. And his understanding reaches beyond ours. Um, here's a little, I'm going to tell on myself a little bit. <laughs> um, prayer. I struggle with prayer. And, and I know wherever I struggle, I know the Lord wants to have his glory in it. So I understand that. Um, I've since, I think I would say January, I've been struggling to wake up. I have an alarm at 5.30, and I hear it, and kid you not, this is me. I'm up, Lord. I love you, Lord. Lord. <laughs> and it happens like five times, and by the time I know it, it's 7.30, and I have to get up, take my out of school. But I know that I must continue in that daily, and it's been like that since January, every single day I've been struggling, but I know the Lord wants to have his, his glory in it, his victory. Um, Ephesians, Ephesians 5.25. Husbands, Love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. The Lord was showing me that this is instruction. Obviously, we see here, and I, I've always seen this. I'm like, love your wives as Christ loved the church, okay? Um, the Lord gave himself, and that's about all I know there. But the Lord was teaching me more. Um, just simple words like the word so, unconditional. And here it was um, gave, gave, gave him, he gave himself for it. And what was it? When he was walking on the earth, he gave, uh, he gave it all in prayer and fasting and even death. And so he was, he was teaching me that that gave was what I needed to do for him. It wasn't so much that I needed to love my wife, but this was clear instruction to me that I had to give myself to him day in and day out. And, and I, I told him, how do I love you? I, I don't know how. And the word is a tale. I might not be saying that right. It means seek. Seek to reach a binding resolution to know for certain. And for me, it's prayer. I can read. I can, I, I can study. I have notes. But prayer, the Lord wants to have his victory in that. And I'm going to give it to him. Amen. Uh, Proverbs, or don't turn to there, but Proverbs. And Lord was telling me, you know, this is how you do it. If you study Proverbs uh, chapters 1 through 9, it's commandments. 
and I was going through them and it's it's a lot about a lot of things about wisdom, instruction and understanding. And the Lord was showing me that there he's going to show me how to love him. And once I do these things, how do I know that I love him? When somebody comes in, when a husband comes in, a spouse comes in, how do you sit? How do you stand around them? The words that they speak, the voice that you hear, the presence. What pleases the Lord? And how do we know that? His commandments. And I, and I ask myself and I ask you, do you want to know how to love a spouse, a family member? a friend, and even the world. Seek him with all diligence. Amen. Praise the Lord. Could we just pray right now before we continue on? Jesus, I want to receive your word today. Lord, I want to love you with all of my heart, to seek you in everything that I do, Lord. You are the way, the truth, and the life, God. I live after you, oh God. I pray that you would order and direct my steps. I pray that you would stir my heart and I would empty myself before you so that you can flow and so that you can minister and have your way. God, you know what I have need of before I even ask, God. I think in my heart I know what I need, but Lord, you truly know our hearts, God. I pray let me set my attention and focus on you so that you can have your way in and through my life, God. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your love that you would continue to reveal yourself to us, Lord. I give you thanks and praise, God. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. Lord, you are so good. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Lord, I thank you today. Hallelujah. In Matthew 6, we, we heard the, the scripture plenty of times of where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And, and in, that, in that chapter, it talks about taking no thought for tomorrow, taking no thought for things of this life, to simplify it. It talks about food or what you're wearing. Um, and then at the end of, of that chapter in Matthew 6, it says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. And a struggle I, I was having sitting over there was, it's like, Lord, I want, to, I want to speak what you want me to say, but I want to be careful to not feel like I have to try and, and tie in the different things spoken. I, I believe the Lord has used every one of these, these men that have spoken. And um, I was taking notes and thinking of, oh, how can, I, how can I tie this to what I'm saying? And I'm going to do my best not to. But the more I was looking over my notes, the more I was seeing, okay, this is the Lord. The Lord can do this however he wants to. And, and Brother Renee referenced in Hebrews 
where let your conversation or your lifestyle be without covetousness. And I think of that, and he referenced earthly things, not to, not to be focused on earthly things and to look to the Lord to provide. And I sort of want to talk about where our focus is. And some of you may have already had a, a sneak peek to this. I wasn't planning on it, but um, the question the Lord has posed to me is, is, do I have any idols in my life? And when, when I think of an idol, the, the first thing I think of is this, this golden statue that people bow down before and worship. And that, that's what we see oftentimes in the, in the Bible is, is that type of an idol. And growing up, I was always told that anything I put before God is an idol. And in my mind as a, as a child was when I wake up in the morning, I can't do anything else before I pray or read. And um, obviously, I, I didn't always do that very well, but I took it very literally. Like, I can't do absolutely anything before I pray or read or, or else that's an idol. And the Lord, of course, helped me understand it a little bit more. But just a little over a year ago, we, um, after men's prayer, we were all sitting up on the platform and uh, Elder was, was talking and, um, and the Lord had, had sort of given me an understanding of, of idols in a way I'd never seen it before. And the way he had shown me was that an idol is, is anything that we are not willing to give up for God, for our relationship with God. If, if we're not willing to give it up and it's, it's a detriment to our relationship with God or it's getting in the way of our relationship with God or hindering it, then that thing is an idol. And the part that really shook me or, or woke me up was when the Lord had said that what you're doing is you're telling me this thing is more important to you than your relationship with me. And you can say, well, that's, that's a pretty bold statement. But you can apply it to your life, whatever that may be. Um, I've had things throughout my life that the Lord has asked me to give up and let go of. And, and I'm, maybe you guys aren't, aren't like me, but I struggle when he asks me to give some things up. He usually doesn't ask you to give things up that, that you dislike, you know. Um, it's usually things that, that you enjoy, that satisfy yourself. And it doesn't mean that they're wrong or that they're sin, but maybe they've just become idols in your life. And and you don't realize they're an idol necessarily um, until the Lord may ask you to give it up and you start to struggle with it or you start to justify it. And like, well, Lord, what if, what if I do this? Can I, can I maybe do that instead? Well, okay, maybe I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start praying a little bit more so maybe he'll forget about the fact that he asked me to give this thing up or start reading more and, you know, yeah, try and offset it a little bit. And what I've noticed is that What's going to happen is when you start doing that, you're just going to always think back to that one thing that the Lord is dealing with you about. No matter how hard you try and pray or how spiritual you try and be, he's, he's going to keep bringing that thing to, to your mind and to the, to the forefront of, of your mind. And, and he's asking us, is, is this an idol in your life or am I truly the most important thing to you? And I just, I feel the Lord calling us to a place where maybe he's not asking everybody to give something up completely. Maybe he's just trying to 
to get your attention to come to a place and realize, Lord, there's some things in my life that I have been giving too much time to. There's some things in my life that I have been giving too much energy to and have sort of just fallen back on. And, and the Lord's just trying to realign us with him. Or maybe, maybe he is trying to ask you to get rid of something, to let go of something, to make a sacrifice and be obedient to his word. I was reading in Hosea, and at the end of the chapter, uh, there was one line, it was second to last verse, and it says, what have I to do anymore with idols? And, and that's after a whole story of, of back and forth and sin and, and man's mistakes and living their own ways. And, and then at the end, after the resolve of all that, the question is, what have I to do anymore with idols? If we're a child of God, if we're seeking the Lord and he truly is the most important thing in our life, then we can't have any other idols or else that makes us a liar saying that, Lord, you're more important, but then we're not willing to let go of what he's asking us to. Can we turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 16? And you can, you can read the few verses before it, and um, I'll, I'll just go ahead and read them. I'll start with verse number 14 in, in chapter 6. It says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness, and what, dis what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And this, this mentions to not be unequally yoked uh, with unbelievers. But something I think about is the scripture that says there's a war in my members. My flesh and, and my spirit are, are warring against each other. And I, I feel that in our own lives, we can, we can be unequally yoked. We can be double-minded. Uh, some days we can be, be living for God, and some days we can be living for ourselves, and that's that's being un, unequally yoked in in our in our own lives and i want to be fully aligned with the will of god and in verse number 16 and what agreement hath the temple of god with idols for you are the temple of the living god as god hath said i will dwell in them and walk in them and i will be their god and they shall be my people wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate saith the lord and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And I will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. And just going right into chapter 7, verse 1, it says, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. A couple weeks ago, a few of us uh, sort of gave a, a recap of what we received from the Landmark Conference, and, and I, I had mentioned I felt the Lord correcting in a, a way that wasn't necessarily comfortable, but I knew it was correction that was needed as a father to a child. And as we just read in, in verse 18 of chapter 6, he will be a father unto you, and we shall be his sons and daughters, saith the Lord. And I just, I feel that again, continuing where the Lord is just seeking to bring some correction in love, but he's, he's desiring our full attention for where he's wanting to take us to, for the things he's wanting to lead us in as brother Jacinto alluded to taking us to a deeper place in prayer that he wants us to walk in every day. 
And Brother Jacinto, I'll be right there with you. I struggle with that some days where, especially working from home when I don't have to go anywhere, it's so easy to just stay in bed and it's like, oh, you know, I've got five minutes to walk to my dining room where my desk is at and <laughs> it can be difficult. So you're not alone in that. But, but what I've realized is, is Lord, I just have to, I just have to make up my mind and determine, Lord, are you truly the most important thing in my life? And, and it doesn't make things necessarily easier. Your flesh is still going to battle it and fight against it. But, uh, I'm making that determination and I'm asking the Lord to examine my life, Lord, if there be any idols in me, if there be anything that, that is taking priority in my life, that, that you would you would help me to see it and reveal it to me. Amen. You just talk to the Lord right there where you're sitting. Would you do that? I feel a witness of the Spirit of God talking to us. Jesus in your name. Jesus in your name. I want to be not only a hearer of the word, but a doer of the word. A doer of the word, Lord, a doer of your word. When I hear it, I want to receive it into my spirit. I want to apply it in my life, God. I want to receive instruction. I want to receive correction. I want to receive exhortation from your word, Lord. I want your word to have its work in my life the way you intend. I receive it of you, Lord. I receive it of you, Lord. I receive it of you, Lord. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. The Lord really is inviting us to a place of deeper relationship with him. It's really what he's doing. He's inviting us to a place of deeper relationship with him. Deeper relationship means more consecration unto the Lord and more separation from the things of this world. And there's that beckoning call. And it starts with recognizing, I think, and, and I... I I seek to hear, as the Lord has brought it to us tonight, it starts with recognizing that we were grafted in, Brother Reuben. We were given something that was not originally for us. And so that should bring a humility in us a humility in us and recognizing how valuable this gift is given to us. I, 
I was so much was turning to my spirit as these I, I was writing notes. There were I believe that many of you witnessed as the Lord spoke certain and specific things along the journey just through these last few minutes tonight. I couldn't help but my mind going as as Brother Jacinto was ministering. I couldn't help but my mind going to 1 John. 1 John's only five chapters, but it's all about love. It's all about the love of God and loving your brother. And if you love your brother, you know, if you don't love your brother whom you have seen, how can you say you love God? It's all about love. But it's it. But then Brother Ethan began to minister. And I ended up back in 1 John. Because John wrote that whole letter, all five chapters about love. And he finished the fifth chapter with this statement. Little children, keep yourself from idols. The whole chapter, all five chapters was about the love of God working in your life and you manifesting the love of God. Believe John was telling us idols in your life will affect your ability to receive and operate in the love of God. And we are meant to be conduits for the love of God to operate through. And we can't operate, His love can't operate through us if we don't first receive it. And then be empty. Brother Ethan read that verse, cleanse yourself. He said, I, I've read that before, but it, it cleanse your flesh and your spirit. We think about fleshly things, right? We're like, yeah, I shouldn't do this. I shouldn't do this. And my pastor, when I was a kid, used to say, uh, I, I'll get it. I can't remember it now, but it was something like, don't drink, don't smoke, don't cuss, and don't go with girls that do, or something. <laughs> he would always tell me something <laughs> like that. <laughs> oh, no, don't, don't, don't drink, don't smoke, don't cuss, don't chew, and don't dare go out with girls that do. That's what he would always tell us. Um, I remember that, and so I checked all those things with my wife before we started going out. And <laughs> so he was being a little humorous, but he was it, what he was doing was he was, and and we think of those fleshly things, but Paul said, "Cleanse your flesh and your spirit," and. Oftentimes, idols are competing for the love of God in our lives. You understand? That's what they're doing. They're competing for the love of God. They're competing for time. Time with Him versus time for other things. I have a deep conviction. I'm not trying to put this on you. I'm just simply, as these men have sought to do, be just transparent here. Some of you caught on, caught on to this in the last few weeks. The Lord's really dealing with me about my love of sports. Some of y'all nervous already. I can tell some of you. And, and if you get nervous when I say that, it's probably because you love them too. 
And so I've been making some commitments to him about those things. And, and I would say this. I, I'm going to call some people out here. Don't get nervous. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm going to challenge you. If you are a parent, if you're a parent who has young kids, I, I think about like Brother Joey, Brother Reuben. Brother Reuben don't care about sports too much, I don't think. Brother Joey sort of does a little bit. I'm not faulting anybody. I'm just, we have different likes and dislikes. There's a principle here. I'm not, I'm not going to give you disclaimers. You just got to receive what you, what the Lord would have you receive. But as the Lord has been dealing with me, you know, I'm 52 years old. My children are 22 to 27. Parents, dads especially. If there's one thing I'd have done different, there's many. I wouldn't have made sports as much a part of my kids' lives. I really wouldn't have. I'm not saying I would have cut it out completely. It has a place. It can have a place. I just would have done it differently. Why? Because it's wrong to watch guys throw a ball or bounce a ball or hit a ball or kick a ball or... No. But they're going to start giving time to that. They're going to get caught up in that. They're going to get wrapped up in that. Here's the thing. What you love, your kids will love. What you give time to, your kids will give time to. What's a priority in your life will become a priority in your children's life. It will happen. It will happen. Idols. And so my encouragement to young parents is don't make the mistake I made. I'm not telling you to cut sports out of your kids' lives. Just make sure it stays in the proper perspective and balance. I'd have squelched my passion a little more. My kids are going, really? But I would have. I would have. I think they know where my priorities are and my passions. I remember Brother Ellis made this statement one time. I think that's where I, I first remember hearing it. What one generation does in moderation, the next generation will do in excess. What one generation, I'm going to repeat that. What one generation does in moderation, the next generation will do in excess. 
So what I allow with my children in my home in moderation, they say mom and dad approve of this. And so then when they engage in it, they go a little further. They move the line a little further. They move it a little further. And so I must make sure I'm communicating about the right things. And by communicating, Brother Renee, it's my conversation. It's my, what that word literally means, my lifestyle. It is my lifestyle. I'm not saying this arrogantly. I'm just tying into what these men said. Brother Jacinto talked about, I, I pre, don't you appreciate their honesty? Their realness and their vulnerability. I don't think any of them tried to put together a fancy message for us tonight. They sought to be real between God and us. I'm thankful for that. Thank you. Brother Jacinto talked about the struggle with prayer. It's real. And this is why I said I'm not trying. My, my sons had to live with the fact that he's had to hear me get up and pray most of his life. So he has that added pressure. Not pressure, you understand what I mean. I use that example to say, what are you exhibiting? You, I feel like I'm just talking to parents, but I know it fits all this. You want your children to be children of prayer? Let them hear you pray. Let them hear you. My kids would tell you, I didn't try to pray quietly. Every once in a while, they'd be like, Man, Dad, you were feeling it this morning, weren't you? <laughs> of course, they learned to sleep through it, too. It was just a sound they knew. I remember one time we had a guest staying in our home. One of our kids had a friend staying with him, and I was trying to be respectful. I was trying to remember that they had a friend staying in the house, so, right? And I even told them, I said, I was trying to be careful this morning because I knew that you had a friend. I didn't want to wake you and your friend. And, and uh, this friend was from out of state. My child said to me, one of my kids said to me, Dad, I was hoping maybe they would hear you. Please, this isn't about me. I'm trying to help us understand something. Your kids have more hunger for the things of God than you probably realize. But they're waiting on you. Example it. Yes, tell them what to do, but show them. Show them. I know we shifted here. This is me taking my turn, I guess. But I know the vein I'm in right now, the Holy Ghost. And I can tell you're receiving. Now, don't, don't let condemnation come in. 
We're not talking about what you did or didn't do last week, last month. I'm talking about tonight forward. Tonight forward. We spend so much time looking in regret. Repent and go forward. Repent and go forward. But determine some things. Determine some things. And then do them. Do them. You want your children being in church to be a priority for their lives? You know how to do that? Some of you heard this before, right? One parent said, when I grew up, the reason I go to church is because I had a drug problem. Sunday morning, my parents drug me to Sunday school. Wednesday night, they drug me to midweek service. When there was a revival, they drug me every night. When there was prayer meeting, they drug me to prayer meeting. When there was special prayer called, I got drugged to special prayer. I got drugged into the prayer room. I, I had a drug problem, so I'm in the house of God today. And that's how it was with me. I thank God for that. What you really, parents, tonight forward, what you want to be a priority for your children must be a priority for you. Lived out. Doesn't mean you got to be perfect. You just keep doing. And when you fail and you falter, just be honest with your kids and show them God forgives. We get up again. We're going to stumble. But when we stumble, we fall forward. We fail forward. You understand that statement? Some people fail and they just say, I can't do it again. They, they fail and they just keep failing and they go further, further back. You can fail forward. I fail. I get up. I learn from it. I'm not staying down. I'm going forward. I fail again. That's right. I'm not. That's not going to make me quit. I'm going forward. And you learn to fail forward. A righteous man falls seven times. He gets up again. What you want to be a priority for your children, you make a priority for you. And what you don't want to be a priority for your children, don't make a priority for you. I have not perfected that, and I have children that are older now. Many of you have children that are younger. Let God lead you to do better than I. Example it. Live it. Walk it. I can't help but think about Joshua. There was one generation. And the Bible says after Joshua's generation, there arose a generation that knew not the Lord. How is that even possible? That only one generation removed? 
Yeah, it just takes one generation. You're not that generation. You're not. You're the people of God. You're making a difference in their lives. Don't doubt what your daily consistency in your home and your example is doing. I promise you something's getting through. Why don't you stand with me? I'll never forget. I finished with this story. I forget. We lived in Hera. That's how many years ago it's been. And uh, I was outside one day. I was chopping wood. We had gotten a bunch of wood um, that all needed to be split. And so I was out there splitting wood. We were splitting it and stacking it. I was splitting, and one of the boys was trying to stack. And uh, they, they were doing good. I just had to go back, and they were still young. And I didn't mind going back. I appreciated the help. We just had to make sure it wasn't going to fall over later. And uh, I don't remember exactly what I said, but I remember something in that moment. They were still quite young. But I remember in that moment I made a statement to them about how the stacking together, if it, if it wasn't stacked properly, it would, it would fall over. But if it was stacked in there the right way, they would hold each other up and it would support one another. And in that moment, I, I'm a teacher by heart. And so I, was, I, was tell, I made a reference to the body, the church, and how God puts people in it. And, you know, you can look at it and think, man, how do all these pieces really fit? But God fits us together and we're fitly framed. We went on and that was about as spiritual as that wood splitting got that day. We talked about whatever else. I don't know. It was some time later, like weeks or even months, probably months later. And something happened. And my child said to me, Dad, it's like that wood. That you stacked and that all fits together so it doesn't. Why do I share that story? I'm telling you, your kids are listening. Just keep, they're watching. I know they're stubborn, right? I know all yours are little angels. And they never do anything wrong. And you can see all the perfection in their daily living. Some of you don't have kids yet. They're coming. Amen. I don't know why I was thinking about Brother Gabriel and Sister Sandra just then, but so I'm not prophesying or nothing. I'm just, Sister Sandra said no. And I'm not suggesting of I mean. <laughs> This matters. This matters. Thank you, men, for ministering to us tonight.